You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. My guest on today's episode of Talking Taiwan is Dr. Brian Chang, who is the Acting Secretary General of the Taiwan Medical Association and the Honorary Secretary of the World Organization of Family Doctors of the Asia-Pacific Region. He is a specialist in family medicine and community medicine. I've invited Dr. Chang onto the podcast to talk about Taiwan's handling of COVID-19, the coronavirus. Note to our listeners, this interview was pre-recorded. I spoke to Dr. Chang on April 2nd, 2020. Here's our interview. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Chang. Thank you. And uh, I'm very glad to be on this show. Great. Um, Dr. Chang, you're in Taiwan now. Um, you're, where are you located? Uh, I'm living in Taipei. Uh, but I have a, uh, I'm a family doctor. I have a clinic in the new Taipei city, and I also practice medicine in the community. Great. Um, so would you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Today we have you on the show. We wanted to have you here to talk about um, COVID-19 and Taiwan's response and um, what the situation is there. Could you just introduce yourself briefly to the audience? Okay. Uh, besides, I'm a family physician. Uh, I'm specialized in the family medicine and community medicine. Uh, I have a degree uh, and I have a practice in public health center for uh, 11 years before I have this uh, clinic in the community. And uh, besides practicing medicine, I'm also the acting secretary general of Taiwan Medical Association. And I'm the honorary secretary in the World Organization of Family Doctor uh, of the Asia Pacific region in which these are the uh, non-governmental uh, organizations. Great, thank you. Um, so how are things currently in Taiwan? What is the atmosphere and the feeling um, towards the coronavirus at this time? Uh, I think uh, through the, the news these days, I'm really glad that the audience from the, uh, from the world are getting to know about Taiwan. And because uh, Taiwan has shown uh, effectiveness in the uh, control of the outbreak of, of the COVID-19, uh, we have these daily briefings uh, talking about the uh, new cases occurred in Taiwan. And until now, there are only uh, 10 to 20 confirmed new cases from people mm -hmm. uh, coming back from abroad. And the cases from the community are less than five with unknown origin. So I think the uh, people now uh, in Taiwan have the faith that the government can control the outbreak. So even though they're still worried about the spreading of the community, of the virus spreading in the community, generally speaking, they are uh, showing good trust in the government. During this outbreak, people are less willing to go to big hospitals or uh, medical centers. Mm -hmm. And the, the tourism and the transportation industry have been affected by the outbreak significantly. I think that's the same around the world. Mm -hmm. But while most of other industries are still functioning well, uh, even though they're at a reduced level, so I, I guess people in Taiwan are quite respective to the government's measure uh, in mm -hmm. uh, containing COVID-19. Wow, that's great. So Taiwan, unfortunately, has had quite a few experiences with infectious viruses. So I'm wondering how did Taiwan's experience with SARS prepare it for handling the coronavirus? I think the experience people learn from SARS is very important for for Taiwan's control on this coronavirus because people learned about the early preparation of personal 
protective equipment. I can still remember that uh, when the SARS attacked Taiwan in uh, 2003, I was the head of public health centers. And at that time, the people, uh, the government was not aware of uh, prevention of the uh, novel virus coming from the community. So facing this deadly virus, we have to do the uh, community quarantine. Uh, we have to trace back the uh, contact persons. So, but in that time, we do not have the enough uh, protective clothes. Mm -hmm. So I have to buy the, the cheap raincoats wow. in from the community store and uh -huh. I have to buy the uh, shower cap. Wow. And you, uh, I mean, repeated use of the mask so I can do the uh, community services. I need to deliver the food for the people who have quarantine. So that is a very, I mean, very bad, bad experience. Yeah. So we learn a lot from that. Personal protective equipment is very important. And people also are aware of that. So when this, uh, this outbreak of COVID-19, people are more willing to wear masks by themselves, trying to avoid the trouble transmission. Mm -hmm. So the early preparation for personal protective equipment is the most and the very important thing that Taiwan learned from SARS. And the other things is that after the SARS, we have this H1N1 avian flu mm -hmm. in 2009. Right. We also have this enterovirus infection going through the kindergartens in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So people are aware of cleaning of the environment with the alcohol and with the detergents. And this is the second thing that I think people learned from the past experience. Mm -hmm. And also from these epidemics, the SARS, the avian flu, we learned about the early identification of cases and the isolation. So I think people are getting used to those measures the, the government did after the outbreak of COVID-19. What were the first uh, early steps that Taiwan took to contain the spread of COVID-19? Uh, I think the first steps are including the uh, immediate border control and quarantine. And then the, the government taking over the production and distribution of the masks. And this is very important in the very first beginning. And later on, we COVID-19 command center, they have this daily press briefing and they take questions and answers from the media on the COVID-19 outbreak. So uh, people can have communication with the government to know why they have wanted to do this policy and what they should do at home or on the a community basis mm -hmm. and uh, for the confirmed we have the testing for the suspected cases mm -hmm. and once they're confirmed positive the patients will be treated in the negative pressure beds in the hospitals and for those who had contact history of the confirmed cases we will have the uh, self-isolation or quarantine i think these are the uh, very first steps when we are we first know about this outbreak in wuhan in china we take these measures and that gives us a great advantage on fighting against this virus. When the virus first hit Taiwan, um, what was the public's initial reaction? Because we've seen the reaction in the U.S., you know, a lot of people try to stock up on household items, toilet paper, different things, and there's a shortage of masks. Was there any reaction like that initially in Taiwan? I think to stop how things is a human nature. And because we have these lessons from the SARS, people learn better what need to be prepared for an epidemic. So at the very first beginning, people starting to uh, stockpile the masks and also they buy more food 
such as vegetables and with mm -hmm. the, and the instant noodles. Mm -hmm. and, and they also buy the alcohol and detergent because they know they need to clean their environment. Mm -hmm. But these only happen for a couple of days because the, the government showed people that supply is plenty. So people are no longer panicking. And actually, after the uh, experience from the SARS, the uh, masks are the, the necessary protective gears that mm -hmm. every hospital needs to prepare mm -hmm. so they can pass the accreditation for, for the hospitals. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and for the masks, the government, very soon they take over the production distribution. So the people don't have place to buy the stuff for themselves. And also they don't need to worry about because the government will give them the, uh, the masks. At the very first, that is the uh, one to uh, two pieces a week. And after the uh, production increasing, actually the production of the mask, the daily production increased from the two million to 10 million in six wow. weeks. Wow. So, so the government was able to give uh, the people two pieces and then three pieces. And until now, we gave them 10 pieces of masks in two, uh, for two weeks. So they, they don't need to worry about the masks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and this, I think these measures shows the uh, confidence and determination for the government to the people. They will help the people to uh, fight against the pan pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so that is why the people are willing to trust the leading of the government. Right. And the other thing about the anxiety is sometimes we can see the rumors on the social media. Right. So the government take a very fast step on making the new law. They punish the spreading of the rumors. Uh -huh. And as I just mentioned before that we have daily press briefings about the COVID-19. Mm -hmm. So the people are aware of what the government would do and will do. So I think these, these were in these ways that uh, people might not be so panicked about the disease, although they still worry about things. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what do you think has been the biggest challenge for Taiwan in containing the spread of COVID-19? And how did Taiwan overcome that? I think the most important thing that Taiwan has done to contain the spread of COVID-19, as I just mentioned, the first one is the immediate border control and early preparation. And the second thing I think that, that is also very important is the government trust the medical experts are making uh, disease control policies. And if you check on the uh, daily briefing from the COVID-19 uh, command centers, the task force are leading by a very famous infectious experts. Mm -hmm. And the, the doctor, Dr. Chen, mm -hmm. is a very well-known physician. So the people are willing to trust the, the command center the regulation from the community centers. And uh, I, I mean, the control of the uh, <clears throat> disease is not like uh, like other things that you can't use your words. You, you just need the medical uh, knowledge. So I think that the, the trust from the government is very important for the uh, medical experts. And the third thing is that the communication with the people so, the, so they can trust the government and they can, the, the people would like to practice with the recommendation from the command center, such as uh, the travel restrictions, the quarantine, mm -hmm. the self-isolation, mm -hmm. the hand-washing, the social distance. I know some of the, the, the people in the United States and Europe, they, are, they don't like to practice the social distance. Mm -hmm. But the government will make those uh, videos. They have these daily briefings. They, mm -hmm. they, they educate the people. They talk about mm -hmm. why. 
how how long maybe how long we need to do this until that we have we can take off those um, those restrictions and also they uh, show the people the condition you need to wear the mask so people do not have to wear masks all the time uh-huh. but in certain conditions you need to wear them mm-hmm. and the last thing is that uh, they have fines and they put people in prison if they spread rumors yeah mm-hmm. i think these are the important things could, could you talk a little bit more about the wearing of masks? Because that seems to be a lot of confusion, a bit of controversy here in the U.S. There's a lot of debate. Um, what would you say are the conditions under which someone should or should not be wearing a mask? You know, actually, in the very early beginning, we also have these controversies on whether we should wear the masks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we learned that from Dr. Fauci mm-hmm. from the United States, you know, mm-hmm. very early in the January. That at the very first, the government does not want people to wear masks. They said we don't need because we don't have large scale transmission in the community. Mm-hmm. So when, when people get COVID-19, there need to be a virus. So if there's a known virus around you, you don't need to wear the mask. So at the very first beginning, we, we told the people that if you go to a crowd area, if you go to a closed area, if you go to the hospital, if you in a mass transportation system such as subways mm-hmm. or the MRTs, right. then, then you have to wear the masks. Right. Otherwise, uh, if there was no large-scale transmission in the community, you don't have to wear masks all the time. But as the, as the uh, pandemic uh, progress, we, we find some scarce, unknown origin cases from the communities. Mm-hmm. So now the, the policy has made a little bit of adjustment that the students in the school, mm-hmm. they need to wear the masks. Mm-hmm. Or the, the distance between the, each of the students, they had to make long distance a bit, uh, over one meters. So uh-huh. they do not have to wear masks during the class. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. I don't know if this question is similar to the last one, but uh, what do you think was the biggest challenge for Taiwan in containing the spread of COVID-19? I think the biggest challenge from now is that still some of the people was unwilling to wear masks under certain conditions. Mm -hmm. So because the policy has changed, you know, just as I mentioned, it's not like two months ago. Because mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm, done mm-hmm. cases from the community. So, okay, so the, about the biggest challenge and you were talking about now, people seem a little bit more reluctant to wear masks. Yeah. And uh, so the government take very fast, they take some initiatives and they make those education videos for the people. You know, they ask those famous, the well-known doctors, uh-huh. they became the actress and actors. Uh-huh. <laughs> They do the, the educational video. So you can uh-huh. see a professor in the hospital, you know, uh-huh. everyone knows about him. Uh-huh. He goes out to tell you how to wear a mask, when to wear a mask. So it's, it's really important that people will accept those informations. And the other the challenge for us right now is that we have some asympto- uh, people who don't have symptoms. They, they yes. call it asymptomatic carriers. Yes in the community. So because they don't have symptoms, we cannot identify those individuals. Right. So you tell the people that you need to protect yourselves mm-hmm. by washing the hands, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. by washing the hands, by keeping yeah. social distance. And this is right. the reasons we need you to keep social distance. Yeah. Because we cannot isolate everyone. Right. Yeah. And 
still, still, I mean, still the challenge is the anxiety from the people. Yeah. So the things we need to know is that we, we have those medical experts every day on the media educating about the people that you, mm-hmm. that the government has the control of it. Mm-hmm. And because of the, I, I want to say that there are two waves of a containment strategy. The first wave, uh, we avoid the virus coming from the China. Yes. Which was our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And the second wave is coming for the virus coming from around the world. Mm-hmm. That's starting from like the early from of the March. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, the government is have this new restriction from the uh, passengers from abroad since the middle of the March that yeah. everyone comes from abroad need to have the self-isolation for 14 uh-huh. days. Mm. And this is very difficult, you know, for asking people to stay home yes. and do not go out. Right. So I think this is the very big problem. And I think that this shares the same in the United States, right? Yeah. Because yeah. we tell people to stay home, but some of the students, especially the young people, students, they don't care about this. Mm-hmm. They still want to travel mm-hmm. around the places. So the government regularly make the announcement of the guidelines and instructions. Uh, because Taiwan has a lot of scrutiny by the talk shows on TV. Mm-hmm. So anyone who is not following the rules, they might be criticized by the public right, opinion right. on many social medias. Mm-hmm. And, and in addition, there are still fines and punishment by the law enforcement. The government, I remember specifically in one case, a person who was just going around, they violate the self-isolation rules, has been punished, came up to the 1 million new Taiwan dollars. That equals to uh, 33,000 US dollars because you're not following the isolation restrictions. Wow. Um, so I think these are the uh, biggest challenge and how we're going to deal with that. And also, we still have rumors on social media, like mm-hmm. someone report the, the wrong death numbers, we call the wrong precautions, wrong mm-hmm, restrictions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we also give fines and punishment to those people. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, and we also, talk, we also talk to people that if you want to know the real fact, you should only check on the CDC's daily press. Right. Or you should visit the CDC's website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those are the verified news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. So what do you think that the U.S. can learn from Taiwan's handling of COVID-19? Well, I think for those who, uh, the, the first thing is that still some of the states, right, or some of the counties, they are they have less amount of infected people. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that you have the border control mm-hmm. to uh, avoid the transmission of the virus from other areas that has already had outbreaks. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is I think the U.S. government and the people should trust medical experts. Mm-hmm. And the government should have consensus on policy. Mm-hmm. And you have to act fast. Right. So I think the transparent communication with people is very important. Yeah. And I also think that uh, screening and identify the cases is the very important thing to stop the chain mm-hmm. of uh, transmission. So I think... Uh, because I, I never doubt the ability of medicine in the United States. Mm-hmm. So just keep working on the cure and on the vaccines. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that to stop spreading of unidentified news is also very important. Because right. it, it will interfere that people's willing to follow the right recommendations from the experts. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, we can see clearly from Taiwan a lot of what you've already said, uh, communication and the educating people is so important. Yeah, and I think now it's, it's a very critical moment in the battle against the new threat because mm -hmm. there are a second wave of attack from the virus coming from around the world. So the, the Taiwan's government is thinking another approach, not only the containment strategy, mm -hmm. that we need to better coordinate the government agencies with the private healthcare providers, mm -hmm. and uh, we should link the clinics mm -hmm. in the communities with the hospitals mm -hmm. more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So we have more powerful, we'll have a powerful model to handle with mm -hmm. uh, new uh, pathogens coming from the communities mm -hmm. and avoid the overwhelming of the medical system. And um, also, what kind of aid or advice or support is Taiwan currently offering to other countries? Because Taiwan has been recognized and lauded for control of and containment of uh, COVID-19. So what is Taiwan currently doing to help other nations? Uh, I think the, the things we talked we talk earlier are basically the key factors of Taiwan's experience on how to control the pandemic. Uh, these are by early border control, tracing back the contact persons to avoid the secondary cases happened and avoid the delay of large-scale community transmission. And I think the uh, the experience I just shared with you are are the key factors. But with the the widespread of the virus, uh, I still think that we have to focus on community because that will be the main battlefield. So as I mentioned, the government should try to engage the primary health care and to collaborate with the hospitals to uh, efficiently manage the capacity and resources of the whole medical system as soon as possible. And also people need to uh, be educated and washing hands personal protections, keeping social distance. And the other thing important is that when people have URI symptoms, you should always see a doctor mm -hmm. so you can avoid spreading mm -hmm. the virus in the communities. And besides sharing uh, our experience, uh, just yesterday, Taiwan's president Tsai Ing-wen has announced that we are able to give 10 million masks Wow. to the country in need. I think it shows our commitment to join the world for yes. battle against the virus. Yes. And we also support some of our allied countries on uh, testing the suspected cases. Mm -hmm. Through this, I hope that someday in the field of healthcare, Taiwan is able to join international organizations such as WHO mm -hmm. as a contributing member and to feel, fulfill our duty as a global citizen. Because after all, I think... Uh, the people's well-being should be above any political consideration. Wonderful. Yeah. And just a few more questions. Yeah. What do you think is our best hope, like to find a cure or to have a vaccine? Uh, well, I, I think it, it would be better, you know, if we have both. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, I think uh, we have the, those antiviral medication for treating the HIV and Ebola. Mm -hmm. I think we can, have, we can find a cure faster than if we can develop a vaccine mm -hmm. because we just need to adjust the target places, the virus of these medicines. Mm -hmm. And maybe we just need to adjust some small structures of the medicine we currently use mm -hmm. that might give us the advantage to cure mm -hmm. or to interfere with the viral replication mm -hmm. or uh, decrease the infection ability to the human bodies. Mm -hmm. And once we have this cure and with the fast testing method, we are able to identify the patients and treat them instantly. But as for the virus, 
I, I know we still, I, I know the vaccination is for prevention. The people, they are not infected during this pandemic. And that also gives us a chance to wipe out the virus after the pandemic. But because the virus has high mutation rate, I think the development of the vaccine will take much longer time, maybe six to one year. So mm. I think we'd better uh, work on a cure. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we should put more our face in the development of a cure. And I, I don't think it would be easy to wipe out the virus like we did in polio because you can see uh, the current vaccine we, we use like the influenza vaccine mm -hmm. we can only limit some of the infection of the flu but we cannot totally kill the wipe out the virus so uh i think we uh we still need some of the uh experience and we, we need to do more research if we want to make in better vaccinations mm. of the COVID-19. We don't even have the vaccination for SARS, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and you said before, you said compared to Ebola or what were you saying was compared to? Ebola and SARS. Okay, right. Yeah, because we have an HIV. Right. And these right. are the uh, antiviral medication we mm. already have. Um, and what medical advice do you have for people who are, especially, I'm in New York, a lot of us are in lockdown, trying to stay home, stay healthy, stay safe. Do you have any general medical advice of what we can be doing to keep ourselves healthy? Yeah, these messages, I, I have been talking to my patients and mm -hmm. I also post some to some of the media in Taiwan. Uh -huh. These are five very important things you have to do. The first one is that you need to keep washing your hands all the time and you have to keep social distance. And the second, please avoid stay with a crowd and consider wearing a mask, especially mm. if in closed area. Right. And the third one is to see a doctor if you have respiratory symptoms. Uh -huh. And if you are being identified, please follow the recommendations so that can protect yourself and to protect your loved families. Mm -hmm. even if you have only mild symptoms. And the next one is that life always finds a way. So please stay optimistic during the outbreak. Do not be panicked. And it helps to build up your immunity when there's no cure for the virus at present. To take adequate exercise is also helpful to your community and also is to take a good rest. And the last thing, but I think it's very important, is that you, you need to try to live a normal life as before while following the items I suggested above. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for that yeah. advice. Hopefully it gives people some guidelines and some yeah, I so I hope that can help you. So thank you for taking the time to be on Talking Taiwan. Sure, no problem. You, you please stay safe and healthy. Take care of yourself. Yes, thank you. And uh, safe travels to you as you go down south for Chimingjie. I've been speaking with Dr. Brian Chang about Taiwan's handling of COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic. To learn more about Dr. Chang, visit his Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash Brian Clinic. Special thanks to Dr. Haming Rong for his help in making this interview with Dr. Chang happen. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Rate us and give us a review. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Hill. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.